This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. say that the hardest thing to manage is people. Jan McDonald has found that the hardest thing to manage is ourselves. She says, if I can't lead myself, how can I lead others? The best leaders lead by example, modeling the behavior they desire to see in others. Jan can't think of better characteristics to model than the fruits of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Unfortunately, if we are not walking with the Spirit, we can be judgmental, selfish, impatient, controlling, petty, and snippy. A leadership law of magnetism reminds us that we don't attract who we want, we attract who we are. This should focus our attention on the characteristics we exhibit so we can attract a higher quality of people into our lives. It's important that we ask ourselves, who do we attract into our lives and organizations? And more importantly, what are we modeling for our children and the teams we lead? If we choose moment by moment to walk with the Spirit, we can override our negative characteristics. Leadership is influence. We may not want or intend to lead, but every conversation or interaction we have with others is an attempt at influence. Think about it. As parents, we ask our children to make their beds, stand up straight, and use manners. That's influence. We encourage them to choose friends that add value to their lives because there are certain friends that may negatively influence them. As leaders, we ask our team members to problem-solve and take initiative. That's influence. We encourage them to collaborate with other hard workers to achieve more. Regardless of role, all of us are influencing all the time. In this episode, Valeria Tellis interviews Jan McDonald, the author of the book Fruitful Leadership, Leading by the Fruit of the Spirit. Jan McDonald is certified by the premier John Maxwell team as a business coach, leadership consultant, and motivational speaker. Her highest objective is to empower and energize others to achieve their greatness that lives within. Sober for 30 years, there isn't a limiting belief that she can't help you overcome. Her transparency about her life and struggles will show you that yes, you can transform your life too. Here is the interview with Jan McDonald. In your own words, who is Jan McDonald? Oh, Jan McDonald is a lover of God, a lover of people, and loves to deliver hope to people who want to become the best version of themselves. I love the way you use the word love many times. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> I have a few warm-up questions for you before we talk about your book, Fruitful Leadership, Leading by the Fruit of the Spirit. And my first question is, what is life? Life to me is a, uh, it's a gift from God. 
It's a gift from God. And we are, I believe that we are to live his purposes for us to the best of our ability. Um, I also believe that we were chosen, um, says that in the Bible, that we were chosen. But if you think outside of the Bible, um, we all have DNA and our DNA is that five million or billion character code that that um, describes who we are inside and out. And nobody else has that. So I think life is determining that purpose that our individual uniqueness gives us. Oh, yeah, that resonates with my heart. <laughs> what do you think is the opposite of life? I think the opposite of life is apathy. Apathy and, and victimhood. I think those two things um, leave us wanting for more, but lacking the motivation to achieve it or go after it. Yeah, yeah. Great answer. <laughs> what is the meaning of freedom to you, Jen? Oh, <laughs> right now. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Um, freedom to me is the ability to uh, grow into those things that I want, to be able to do what I want, although not to do what I want if it impacts others in a negative manner. Uh, just the ability to grow. That is what gives me freedom. Yeah, I like that. The ability to grow. Or the freedom to do it, right? Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yes. What is the world's greatest need at this time? Um, I believe since, uh, well, the first greatest need is for everyone to grow in the characteristic of love, uh, myself included. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not perfect there in any way, shape or form. But also, I think the world needs leadership. I think there's a dearth of leadership in the world um, of leadership that serves people rather than seeks power. And I think that leadership is influence. Um, and that comes from my teacher and friend, John Maxwell, of course. I think it, but also I think it serves others. It seeks to make life better for other people. Oh, wow. Yeah, in the ways like empowers others is the opposite of trying to have power over others, but empowerment, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Uh, what, where, and who is God to you? Oh, well, God to me is my father and Jesus is my savior. Um, if you look back on my life, let's see, 30 years ago, I was really in the throes of drug and alcohol abuse. And I had no, I had no way out of my own accord. And so I had to find a higher power that would help me through that process. And so I believe that, um, that was 30 years ago, I was given a second chance at life. And I was given that chance by God to be who he really wanted me to be. Wow. Where is God and Jesus? Oh, they're like everywhere. And, <laughs> and um, you know, they live inside of each one of us. And if, if you are not a Christian, we have a spirit portion, portion of ourselves. You, we are... We are a spiritual being, all of us are, housed in a physical body and gifted with an intellect. And so we live on three planes of existence. I, I think, yeah, before I get on a rabbit trail, I'll just stop there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about your work. What was the inspiration, intention, and the process of writing your book, Fruitful Leadership? I was looking for something to study for the year. And that was in 2017, I think. And so normally I go through the Bible every year. I'd been going through the Bible or doing different devotionals and I just wanted something different. So I asked God, you know, what he would have me do. And the answer that I got was study the fruit of the spirit. 
And there's nine fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Oh, yeah. And self-control, the one I hate the most. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I thought that'll be great. It'll be nine months of study and um, I'll just do one fruit a month. And so I was really excited about that. And I jumped into the bathtub after that, which is where some of my best thinking comes from. And I could just hear the Lord say to me, I want you to open a private Facebook page and post daily what your thoughts are. And so we had this big argument. Oh, do you know how long that's going to take? Oh, it's going to have to be grammatically correct. And at this point, I was working a 40 plus hour a week job as well. I just, but God gave me my life back. So we argue, but he often gets his way. And so every day I posted on Facebook, well, just about every day, And then I just copied it to a Word document and into about the second month, I thought, oh my goodness, I have a book. So I went to publish and then I thought, my husband said to me, Jan, you really need to put leadership concepts in there because that's what your wheelhouse is. Oh, I thought, what a fabulous idea. So what I did was I went back through the book and added leadership concepts to every day that I had written. And so that was my, that was how I wrote the book. Yeah. And I love the way you did it. It looks like the uh, the content, it's so simple. And it already made me smile just by looking at them, those qualities. <laughs> like, wow, this is so wonderful. And I love the way you begin with self-control, which is connected to self-awareness and self-knowledge. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I love that. The way I set up here, my questions for you, we go through all of them. So before that, let me ask you other questions. Uh, The spirit. Is the spirit the same as the soul or creator or God? Oh, man. Well, the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God are all one. How they pull that off, I don't know. But they're all one. And the spirit is my thoughts. The spirit is the portion that lives in me, that teaches me, that is the person that Jesus left when he went to be with the father. He left that person living inside of me. So, um, so I don't screw it up <laughs> if, if I, if I listen and if I obey, um, and the spirit can also be named intuition as well. So it's the portion of me that um, helps me know right from wrong, that when I don't know an answer, if I ask and wait, I will often get it. He, the spirit wants me to perform at my best. He, he would like me to pull off sometimes the impossible. And he's the one who helps me do that. Oh, wow. Very much. Yeah, it's very clear and resonates. It makes sense. (laughs) I usually go back to making sense because we have this ability to think for a reason. (laughs) So reasoning is important too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The love doesn't need reason, real reasoning. It's just it. Like God, it just is. There's no reason to even try to define it. Yes, true. So I really like the way you mentioned the, uh, again, going back to self-knowledge. In in the introduction, you say, if I can't lead myself, how can I lead others? That is so true. That's a wonderful statement, true statement to me. So I guess my next question is about the importance of developing leadership. Why is leadership development important? And what is the connection between leadership and well-being? Um, Well, since I'm a member of the John Maxwell team, John says leadership is influence. So we all are leaders in our own way. I mean, think about it. The mom who wants her kid to make the bed or tie their shoes or stand up straight, she is influencing her child. And I don't know if this happened to you when you were growing up, but my mom always said to me, you're not going to be hanging out with those people because they are going to have a bad, I didn't, a bad influence on you. I didn't know what, I didn't know what, um, what she meant at that particular time. But boy, when I had my own kids, I certainly figured that out quickly. And so if I am unable to um, influence myself, 
then I'm unable to influence others well. And especially when you're speaking of being a mom or speaking of being a leader to an organization, especially being a mom or a dad, our children may do what we say, but they will learn what we model because that's how the brain learns. And so if we want a certain kind of behavior, we're going to have to model it for those that we lead. So I think that that's why developing, especially self-leadership skills are so critical is because we, we want to attract that kind of behavior that we want into our lives. And we want to attract those kind of people into our lives. And so the best way to get the people that we desire in our lives is to become that person. And then we will attract that person into our lives. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, something that was said before with different words. Be the change you want to see in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, that's such a powerful statement. It's such important work that you do, Jen, because it goes back to self-awareness and self-knowledge every time. It goes back to timeless wisdom. Yeah, yeah. And what you call leadership, it's basically having self-knowledge, just knowing yourself. Yes, so that you can influence others in a manner that not only serves you, but serves them. Right, right, right. Talk to me about the leadership law of magnetism. Ooh, that's like one of my favorites. <laughs> so I used to teach uh, risky behavior education to high schoolers. And um, we would talk to them about, uh, we would ask them what they wanted in a partner or in a person that they may be able to live with for the rest of their lives. And they would give all these great characteristics like, oh, they have to have respect and love and they have to care for me and they have to. So we would always ask them, uh, how, do you, how do you attract a person like that? And one of the answers was match.com, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> It wasn't the one I was looking for, however. It was a good answer. And so Mm -hmm. our our speech to them was to become that person. And that's how you attract those people is with those characteristics that you want. And I think that there are um, that thoughts and emotions and characteristics are energy. And the energy that we give off into the world is the energy that comes back to us. So if we're negative, we're going to attract negative people into our lives. That's just the way it is. If we're positive, if we're loving, if we're respectful, those are the kind of people that we're going to attract into our lives. So I think that this is where leadership really uh, makes a huge difference in an organization. Because if you as a leader have those characteristics, you those are the kind of people that you are going to attract into your organization. Does it have anything to do with the law of attraction in some way? Um, I think I think both of them are somewhat similar. I, I don't know too much about the law of attraction, but I think they're somewhat similar from my understanding of it. Yeah, that you we attract whatever we have in our minds, like thoughts, not just the actions and behaviors, but um, what we think about. Yes, might attract just that. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know much about either. I'm just just wondering. So let's talk about the fruits of the spirit. So self control. Please define self control. That's the first thing. Let's let's start with that. What is self control to you? I think self-control is the ability to give myself a command and then carry it out. Right. So when why is self-control the first one, the first fruit of the Spirit? Well, the Bible has love first, but as you see in my book, I put self-control first because I, if I'm going to walk by the Spirit and if I'm going to learn to walk in these fruit, I have to want to do that. I have to have that desire. I have to have that self-control to want to do that. Is that, I know you mentioned discipline. So it's kind of the same thing, have the discipline to do what we want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do we know when self-control is a practice needed 
and how do we practice self-control? I think that self-control is needed a lot during the day for, I'll just speak for myself. Um, so for sometimes there's plenty of things that I would love to say, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Right. Um, because I know it would either be hurtful or I don't want to die on that hill. You know what I'm saying? Um, I uh, There are plenty of times in my life when um, I would love to just totally eat beyond what I want. But then, you know, how would that impact my health? Uh, there's There's times when I know that I need to make some difficult phone calls and I just don't want to do it, but they have to be done. So I have to have the discipline to do that. So I think that's a skill and a fruit that we need to work on daily. Lord knows I am not perfect at, at that at any of them, but especially not self-control. And that's why I put it first. Think about that. I am an expert. I can be an expert in everyone else's life. <laughs> but I have to be an expert in mine first. And in, in order to make sure that I'm not meddling in everybody else's, I have to practice self-control. Yeah. I agree with you. And when I think about control, I think about choices, knowing that we have choices that we can choose. There's more than one choice because a lot of times it's easy to feel stuck in one place and not seeing the possibilities. So, yeah, I love this idea that we can be in that position. I think you mentioned earlier about freedom, just having this freedom to be, to be ourselves or to know more or to do more of what we want to do in life. And when you think about it, I'm reading through a book and doing a study on Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And I think it's him who says that, um, well, anyway, in the brain, between the stimulus and our reaction or our response, there's a quarter second lag time where we have the choice whether we can react like we've always reacted or we can respond in a different manner. So the, so, so we have that ability to have that self-control if we just take the time to develop that. Yeah, and that goes back uh, the way I see it to awareness, self-awareness. The more we know about our minds, and you mentioned this in the book about thoughts. Discipline starts with our thoughts. Oh, yeah. So true. And then I love the way you connect everything else to that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness are all choices that start in our mind. So true. Yeah. So, so true. So the next one is love. I'll ask you the same questions, basically. What is love? Oh, man. I think love is the ability to do what is best for the other person, but without sacrificing your convictions. I mean, that would be that would be like a, a definition for me. This is what I'm really working on. I didn't grow up with unconditional love. It was not modeled for me. So <laughs> it's really funny. So when I was asking God what he wanted me to work on this year, I was I was thinking he was going to give me some big, huge, big, huge task. And he said, develop a heart of love. And I thought, oh, OK, I guess that's what I need to work on this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the, one of my questions. How do we know when we need to practice more love? Well, like I said in the beginning of the book, I can be very selfish. And when I am at my best at being selfish is when I am the least loving. And so when I am looking to meet my own agenda, when I'm at the cost of another person, or where I'm looking to get my own needs met without thinking of someone else, that might need their needs met more than mine. I mean, not that I would be a doormat, but you know, just that tells me that I need to be more loving. Yeah, yeah. You see that, yeah, that comes from self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do we practice, Jen? How do we practice love on a daily basis? Oh, that's a hard question. The only way that I am really able to practice that unconditional love is to just really stay in tune with the spirit. 
Because I, you know, I'm a recovering control freak boy. I like to have everyone do <laughs> what I want them to do when I want them to do. <laughs> and so, I, yeah, so I think that's probably why I'm supposed to develop the heart of love this year. Because <laughs> I need to. <laughs> I love your uh, your honesty and how genuine you are. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. You mentioned a book. You said one of my favorite relationship books is Sex, Love, and Lasting Relationships. Why is that this book your favorite book? One of your favorite books? Um, well, because I was married, I've been married twice, and the when you think of in that book, the writer talks about the Hollywood type of marriage where you meet someone and you fall desperately in love with them and you have to and you have to have this relationship with them and then if it doesn't work you must not be in love with them so you start that process all over again and in that book he also t he talks about the the uh, is it the god style of love i can't remember it's been a long time since i've read that book but his process the process that is most successful in relationships is to become that person that you want to attract into your life. And then you attract that person into your life. And then you make the commitment to stay with that person. And he does. Yeah. And to make the commitment to stay with that. So if you have those characteristics that you want in a person, you know, loving and they're caring and they're other centered. And, you know, what I wanted, I wanted a hard worker and I wanted someone who was funny. And, and so that was my second husband who I attracted into my life. And we made that commitment to continue to be that person for each other. Now, that doesn't mean that we haven't grown and changed in the last million years that we've been married, but we still remain committed to each other, even through the tough times. And so that's that's why I liked that book, because when I read that book, I was in the process of teaching teenagers what love was all about and and how to find a good relationship, because most people in today's world, young people in today's world, they don't think they can have a long lasting relationship. And for us to be able to model a long lasting relationship for them shows them that it is possible and you can't have it by just totally falling in love with somebody and, and, and just being infatuated and rather, and, and just put it, put, putting the sexual activity in there without getting to know that person first, because once once you had sex, is there any reason to talk anymore? You know, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. That's great to know that the way you, you're speaking now, it's not just that becoming your own leader, but also growing from that space. Now you have a family and now you are a reference to for other people in the collective um, world. So I love that because that grows, right? By being your own leader and developing all these wonderful qualities that expands to your family and then to your community and then who knows, the entire world. Exactly. And, and I think we're happiest when we're growing. I mean, think about that. You know, an acorn isn't planted in the ground and then it gets nourishment from the air and the water and the soil and it grows up to five feet and says, well, I think I'm done growing I don't think I want to be out in that harsh sun or the wind. I think I'm done. No, the oak tree seeks fuller expression. And that, that's who we are. We are always seeking fuller expression. And I think that's when we're the happiest is when we're growing. Yeah, I agree. It's a process in a way. It's all about the journey, not the destination. Yes, yeah. As tough as being in the journey sometimes might be, we still need to enjoy it. Yeah, and learn uh, from it, right? And yes, yeah. The lessons. You talk us about something that I um, I love to talk about and I believe in and that's possible. It's unconditional love. So in one of the concepts you wrote, uh, it's called love without strings attached. <laughs> Do you believe in unconditional self-love? Yes. Is that a belief or a practice? <laughs> Both, right, right, Jen? It might be both. Yes, yeah. I think it's a belief and a practice. Uh, 
Um, I run some, I facilitate some classes on that, on mindset change. And I think a lot of people have limiting beliefs that hold them back. And those limiting beliefs are based on how they feel about themselves. And maybe how they feel about themselves is not so good. But to change those not so good feelings into what is really true about them, that that they that they are unique, that they do have a purpose, that they are chosen. There's a there's a there's something for them to do in the world that only that they can do. Their their voice is needed, and um and so in order to do that, I think that we have to unconditionally love ourselves with all of our flaws and our our warts and our character defects, maybe if you want to call them that and our mistakes and and to just know that those behaviors and those things we are not our behavior we are not our results we are who we are because we're created in the image of god that makes us awesome right in developing all these qualities it takes practice anyway so like you said it's about the journey and the growth growing mm-hmm. So everything else can be developed, right? Yes. Especially once we understand the essence of who we are. I agree. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about joy. What is joy? (laughs) Uh, Joy is the ability to, um, I'm not sure I know how to define it, but it's the feeling that I have inside most of the time that is not tied to circumstances. So it's it's that happiness. It's it's a happiness that we have that is an inside job that comes from knowing who we are, whose we are and that uh yeah, I I'm having a hard time defining it. It's just that happiness that lives inside that I can have in spite of the circumstances. Now, it's interesting you talk about this now with this, you know, with being shut into home and and I'm, I'm a people person. Oh, gosh, this has been so hard for me. So I've really had to, my last like three blogs were based on how happiness is an inside job and it, and it, and it can't, it's, it can't be tied to circumstances. If it's t- if joy or happiness is tied to my circumstances, I'm not going to be happy all the time. I, I can't. I won't be able to live in that state of joy. I like that, and that makes sense to me. So it's uh, being grateful, isn't it? Connected to gratitude in a way. Oh shoot! Yeah, you absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. Yeah. So being grateful for what we have. Uh, rather than not being happy because we have lost something, just attached to the loss, right? I think it's that inner that inner contentment. Um, it's it's like that eye in the in, it's the calm in the storm kind of. So how do we know when we need to practice more joy, and how do we do it? How do we practice it? <laughs> well, we know we need to practice more joy when it has disappeared in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's easy to tell, right? And we're <laughs> grumpy, crotchety, and, and um, yeah. it's so yeah. easy to tell. Yeah, you're right. Because <laughs> feelings, they don't lie. It's so easy to tell when we are not, when we are being grateful or start to complain. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, do you have some practices, some, um, let's say, some rituals, daily rituals, like um, they call it gratitude journaling? That's one of the things a lot of people do. Do you have other ways to practice, to invite joy in our lives? Any suggestions? Well, this totally might make you laugh, but what gives me an intense amount of joy is Motown music. Oh, wow, (laughs) music. I love that. But Motown, there's just something about, you know, Motown and (laughs) and old rock and roll that just really gives me joy. And then, of course, the the Bible really gives me joy. There are some verses in the Bible that I have kind of memorized that really, that, that kind of bring me back to my, bring me back to my, my center, kind of. Yeah. I love the way you say attitude is everything. That's one. I love what, the one you say, uh, tough times create great leaders. 
That's another one. And that is so true, isn't it? Yeah. That's when we know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, influence, that's what you said earlier, not control. This one is tricky, isn't it? Like to know when we are influencing others and not controlling them or not trying to control them. So I think, um, you know, if you if you put your arms out and on one side you have... Um, I'm going to get my needs met. I'm going to get everything I want. And I don't care what happens to you. Okay. That's, that's the one side. And then uh, of influence, that's more like manipulation. And on the other side is, oh, you can have whatever you want. And I don't care what happens to me as long as you get you want what you want. That's like the doormat. So if you bring your hands together and put them right in front of you, that's right where kind of manipulation and doormat meet in the center and that's where it becomes win-win so i get what i need but you get what you need as well right Mm, the balance isn't it right right so there is a balance harmony like music yeah when you mention music i think about harmony yes just working with everything together like this dance this movement that's just perfect Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Everyone benefits from whatever you're doing, whatever I'm doing. So there's a dance. And the next one is peace. So what is peace to you? Peace is is also contentment. Peace is the ability to, uh, let's see if I can do, I'm not sure I can define it with words. Peace is, um, you know how when you're, when you inhale and you exhale, and you try and get that centered feeling of relaxation and and that knowledge that that um, right like meditation kind of you know everything is going to be okay. I, I think that is for me what peace is, and sometimes I'm able to stop in the midst of the chaos, take that deep breath and exhale and and that kind of brings me a peaceful feeling did that make sense (laughs) yes it does i like that too that peace is something that we can invite so basically you're saying that over and over like the spirit in all these qualities is something that we can invite into our lives in this moment just wondering the difference between peace and uh in the most profound way and calm and relaxation a difference between peace and calm yes because i think peace maybe might have more to do with relationship and reconciliation and calm might have to do with more within my own heart yeah that makes sense too Mm -hmm. as i think about it yeah i like that jen yeah um so peace has to do with relationships relationship with life with others, yeah, with God and all, right, right. And calm is something that we can, um, it's not really a relationship with something, but it's within us, maybe a relationship with ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a feeling that I can have within. Right. And uh, what are some practices that you suggest that can invite more peace into our lives? Um, I do definitely um, practice meditation or or a quiet time. And um, one thing that invites more peace into my life is to remind myself that um, I'm not the one that controls my life all the time. If if I allow, if I allow the spirit to to have control then these fruits are more able to grow within me. I just have to remind myself that it's not all about me. And when it when it gets in my life to where it's all about me, then that peace flies out the window. Because if it's all about me, it's obviously not about anybody else. Right, right. <laughs> and, and so if it's not going to be about you and we're in a relationship, then mm-hmm. peace flies the window yeah or or if i'm not if i'm not allowing if i'm allowing my circumstances and my and the events in my life to to uh 
wreak havoc, like with my emotions, if I'm allowing my emotions to have me rather than I'm rather than I'm having my emotions, that's another time when peace, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. What you said earlier, it all comes back to thought because think about it. If you sit here and you think about something that makes you really sad, you're going to be sad. But if you think about an event in your life that just gave you so much joy, I could think of one right now, you know, I, it, you just, it just makes you joyful. So it's about, it's about controlling your thinking. And we have that ability to do that. Although I don't always do that, but we do have that ability. Yeah, I agree. I don't know about controlling thinking. It's more becoming aware of the thinking process and how we are inviting them. Because in the way... Um, yeah, I see thoughts in a way as spirits too, or the way the spirit communicates. Well, maybe not controlling our thinking, but allowing the thought to kind of go through, look at it, and and if it's if it's not a good one, not allowing it to impact us. Yes, right. That goes back to the choice yeah, that you spoke of that I we are talking about. Knowing that you have that choice, we can, we can choose, and that takes awareness. Yeah which is a practice. <laughs> we can practice that at any moment. Um, so the other fruit of the Spirit, I love that. I love saying that too, because it is the fruit of the Spirit. It's so true. Patience. Yeah, patience. Can we skip that one? <laughs> oh, yeah, because of... <laughs> Why? <laughs> As a driven being, that's, that's just part of my personality. I'm very driven Patience, patience and gentleness are not my strong suite. I just have to tell you that right up front. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's a practice yes. in a way, right? Yeah. That becomes a practice for you then. You mentioned that. So we need, just need to know which ones. So being aware of our thoughts, we are able to know which quality we need to practice more. We need to invite more into our lives. And you just said patience and gentleness, right? So, yeah, I can skip that one for now, but this is a wonderful one. <laughs> yeah, it, it totally is. Patience really, yeah. you know, having patience really develops character, I think, more than any other fruit. But, you know, patience goes right along with self-control because if I'm not patient, then I probably am not going to control what I'm going to say or what I'm going to feel or what I'm going to think. Yeah, so, so patience... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that, what you say. It can become a foundation for developing the other ones, right? Or inviting the other ones, right? Yeah, and just to, just to be patient with me, to remind myself that, you know, I didn't get this way overnight. I'm not going to change overnight. Yeah, you see, that's part of the unconditional love. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have kindness and then you also have gentleness. That's the ninth one. So what is the difference between gentleness and kindness? I, I struggle with goodness and kindness, the difference between those two. And so um, gentleness we'll get to because that's another one that I'm, that I'm working on. But, but kindness is an attitude, I think, and goodness is doing something to someone else. Kindness is more like a lifestyle, which kind of spills into making you good to other people. Goodness is more the doing for others, I think. Right. right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like kindness in action. <laughs> yeah. Goodness is kindness. And yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think I think I defined those two in the book because I, I thought, OK, so why do you have kindness and why do you have goodness? They both sound like they're the same to me, but they actually really weren't when I did some research on that. And then coming to gentleness, the last one, as a driven person, gentleness does not come easy to me. Um, and I think gentleness and lack of judgment go hand in hand. So if I am judging others or judging myself, then I am not being gentle. And I can sense my little judger likes to come up sometimes more often than I'd like. And I think that that comes with the impatience that comes with being a driven person. So 
now you know what I struggle with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I love how self-aware you are and how honest and genuine. By knowing these things, then you know what you have to work on, obviously, but also um, you're acknowledging your personality. So it's okay to be out of balance with others. And then, because I think it's really challenging anyway to balance all of this, all these qualities at once. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I have a lot of really strong characteristics, but those strengths can totally become a weakness if they're overused. So, and that's where developing the fruit comes in because those kind of offset those strengths that become, that can become really um, hindering me in my relationships with other people. Yeah, because they become too dominant and then there's no balance, right? Yeah. yeah. The last one, the ninth was gentleness, um, but we didn't talk about the eighth fruit of the spirit. I love that. Faithfulness. Talk to me about that. Faithfulness is, is being true to my word and it's being true to my word and to my actions that follow that. Faithfulness is, you know, when I look back at the faithfulness of God, and we don't have time to go into all the miracles that he's done in my life, because there's a bunch of them, but he has always been so faithful to come through for me, even when I was faithless. So I, um, one of my strengths is faith and belief, um, huge for me. And, and so um, faithfulness is one of those things, you know, having huge faithfulness, having huge faith can actually, uh, well, when I used to, when I used to be the CEO of a nonprofit, that would, I could always see the big picture and really believe, you know, that, that that, oh, this is going to happen, but but people would have to pull me back into reality. So, <laughs> because, yeah, okay, right. How much is that going to cost? Well, who cares? It's going to happen, you know? So, <laughs> But faithfulness is being good for my word and just being full of faith. I never heard this way before. And I love the way you defined faithfulness about being, being trustworthy. I'm I love that too, because that's part of uh, becoming what you wanted to see out there. It's not possible to attract people who are trustworthy if we are not being one. Oh, yeah. I have a question here about faith, hope, and trust. Are they all the same to you? I think hope is different. Hope, I read somewhere that, um, you know, we can live so long without oxygen and so long without water, but if we don't have any hope, we can't live. And I think that hope is a critical feeling. Faith is the substance of things hoped for that we don't see yet. So um, so they're not the same. And trust, trust is the ability to place my hope and faith in someone. So so they're different. But I, but I don't know how to I don't know how to define each one. I just know how they all work together. But hope definitely, the Bible says that hope does not disappoint, and and it just doesn't. You know, if you if you can hope, if you always have hope, oh man, then you have life. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, hope. One word that I tried not to use for a long time because I was trying to have, instead of hope, knowing, I wanted to have experiences that would show me what to know and not believing in things. But the more, uh, just recently, that changed. And I like that idea much better. Uh, Trust, faith, and hope. Yeah. So what changed for you then? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess challenges, it goes back to the control idea that we think we can control life and others and situations. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can't control this. And, and the, only, the only thing that could really give me consolation, perhaps comfort, was this, this idea that it could be better. It, it will change one day. Everything's okay, actually, the way it is, too. Acceptance is another thing that I had to uh, rely on. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so there is one thing I wanted to share. 
too. Um, I de- I developed, and I'm not sure if I developed, but I was in a coaching session with um, with one of my coaches a couple years ago, and I was having a real hard time with a, a person in my life. And um, rather than biting this person's head off, I came up with this um, this thing. Okay, I just need to pause. I just need to pause in my thinking. Pause to call a time out. And um, pause to me became to mean practice awareness until spirit emerges. Because the spirit, because the spirit always had a better response than Jan's. Wow, I love that. <laughs> Isn't that good? I, did, I I didn't make that up. That had to come from the spirit. That's perfect. <laughs> right. Yeah. How incredible. Mm-hmm. If that's so true. That is so, so true. The more we live, the more ex- we experience life in the human body, this proves to be true. Right. We needed to pause and we needed to wait. And, and that's okay to feel like we have no control at all <laughs> at times. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, at times. At times it's okay. <laughs> right. Not all the time because then it's too much. <laughs> Well, but not controlling in the sense like you you put it, and that's true. It isn't a way that can benefit ourselves and others. If we can control, quote unquote, in that way, then it's okay. Yeah. 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 So um, I have a few more questions for you. The final questions. Would you like to add anything else or read a passage in your book, Jen? You know, what's really amazing is um, because you're doing this, I grabbed my book. And I went through it again. And um, I'll tell you, it was such a great journey for me to go through the book again, because it was just God's and my little journey together. Yes, it's impacting other people, but um, it just, it was perfect for this time in my life. I have a story. It's, it's in the book. I just don't know where it is, but I tell it often. And it was uh, the first year of my, my Alcoholics Anonymous birthday. Okay, so this was a long time ago. And I was taking my kids to Harris Beach Park. And I, um, it was a tough year. And my husband didn't want to go on this trip with me. And so I put the kids in the back of the car. And we were in a camp because I promised them that we would. But on the way over, I was really, really hoping that I could go to a meeting that evening. And I just thought to myself, yeah, like my kids are going to want to sit in a smoky filled room with a bunch of sick people like me. So I just kind of brushed that thought off and thought, you know, this has been a tough year, but I'm going to really have a good time this weekend. And we got to Harris Beach Park and there were no campsites left. That's never happened ever before. And so I asked the park ranger, what is going on here? There's always campsites here. And she said, I don't know what's happening, but I think that there's some campsites back down at Loeb State Park, which is 35 miles south of here at the at the mouth of the Smith River. And if you hurry, you could probably you could probably get one. So the kids started belly aching in the back seat. You know, they were like, if you would have got up earlier, mom, if you would. So I just told them to shut up and pray. And my son, who hadn't lived with me the first six months that I sobered up, that's how I that's how I functioned was praying. You know, He, he said, what's pray? And my daughter, Julie, said to him, it's what mom does when she's in trouble. She just asked God for help. And so I don't know if they were praying. I think I was. I don't remember much of that trip down to Loeb State Park, but we drove in there and we got uh, and, and we got a place. And my son said, oh, mom, let's drive around and see if we can't get one that's closer to the river. And it looked to me like it was the last campsite. And I said, no, let's let's walk around. And, and if we see another campsite, then I'll set you guys there and then I'll go get the car. So we drove, so we started walking and you know, those big campsites that families camp in, they're huge, you know, the cars and lots of people. Well, I started seeing all these bumper stickers that are familiar on cars of people that attend Alcoholics Anonymous. And so, you know, like keep it simple. Are you a friend of Bill Wilson's, Bill W, who's the, who's the founder? 
Alcoholics Anonymous. And so I saw a lady smoking a cigarette in the back of a pickup truck. And I said, so what's going on here? And she looked at me very suspiciously and she said, are you a friend of Bill's? And I said, I am. And it's my first birthday of being sober. She jumped out of the back of that truck and she said to me, tonight is the first ever Alcoholics Anonymous Brookings chapter camp out. And there's a meeting here tonight at the campfire. And at that point, Valeria, I felt so loved. The God of the universe moved heaven and earth that I could have a meeting. And not just any meeting, a meeting in the, one of the most beautiful spots on the earth at the mouth of the Smith River. And I knew that there was a purpose for me then. And I just promised God that I was going to live one day at a time sober trying to figure that out. It's like one of my favorite things that just that's God's faithfulness. Yes, absolutely. You made me cry. And that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. So that's one thing I love to share because that's. Yeah, it is beautiful. It, it was just beautiful. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, and I rarely cry in interviews, <laughs> maybe one or two. Uh, yeah, because that shows, right? It shows that, um, yeah, it shows the uh, the manifestation of the spirit that a lot of people don't believe in. And I just, I don't understand my entire life. I never understood why. Like, how come? It's so obvious that we, uh, yeah, the spirit's here. <laughs> it's not. Yes, and, and I want, my goal is for other people to feel that. To, to know that feeling inside. And you're doing a great job at it. <laughs> a great job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> to God be the glory. Great <laughs> job. Yeah. Thank you. So I have a few more questions. Uh, one, two. Yeah, I guess two. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Um. Yeah. I would um, sell everything and get close to my kids who live in California. Yeah, I, I, I definitely would. That, that would be one thing I would do. <laughs> now, I see, I see them often. I see them probably four times a year. But, you know, there's just something about them being so far. And they're adult. I mean, they're old. You know, they're, <laughs> well, they're not old. But, you know, they're, they're in their 40s. And, but I just miss them so much living up here. So, yeah. If that's one thing that's so interesting we don't know when that will happen we'll lose the body right so i try to ask that question to myself every day what would i do differently if i died at, by the end of the day <laughs> um yeah and that's great when we can answer that question you know i wouldn't change a thing right right and and so maybe one day you will do that <laughs> you'll just move to california <laughs> <laughs> and to and to hopefully um to hopefully leave a legacy. Mm, yeah. You know, leave a very positive legacy in the world. Like like you said at the very beginning. You know, we're just trying to make this place a better place for everyone and that's that's true. Yeah. Yeah. In our own way, in our own genuine way, right? And my last question, what are three things about life you know for sure as of today? Ooh. Let's see. I know that uh, I know I'm going to I know I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I just know that. I know that I am a child of God. Just three? Jeez. I know that I am deeply loved <laughs> and not just by God, but by my family, by my children, by in spite of my past, by my children, by my husband, by my friends. And I think those are the three things. Yeah, they, they sound very good to me. <laughs> it has been a genuine conversation, great conversation, loving and touchy at the end. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for your presence, for your wisdom, too. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for this opportunity, Valeria. I, I just love it. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your work, your books, products, services, and future projects? Wow. So um, you can find my book on Amazon. 
It's available both in Kindle and in the paperback version. And it's Fruitful Leadership Leading by the Fruit of the Spirit. My website is jan at jan-mcdonald.com. Oh, no, that's my email. But that's good. You can give them my email. (laughs) Um, My website is jan-mcdonald.com. And yeah, you can find me on Facebook at Jan Marie McDonald as well. Great. Thank you so much again, Jen, and we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jan McDonald, please visit her website, johncmaxwellgroup.com slash Jan McDonald. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.